Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5 p.m. at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, Helen and John asked, Jonathan asked me to speak on forgiveness. And this is a, a, one of my favourite subjects. We do, some of you know, we do a, a set free, which is a retreat time of helping people get free. And one of the first things we do is we talk about forgiveness. And I thought, oh, that's really easy. I could just grab the first part out of the, forget my, out of the set free manual and put it up with all the slides and I can just tick it off and that would be real easy. And God said, no, you won't. There's a few more things he wants me to share. So forgiveness is really saying when somebody is forgiven, there's nothing held against you and the debt has been paid. And I want you to hang on to that. And there is different types of forgiveness. There's forgiveness that comes from God. There's forgiveness that we've got for others and there's forgiveness that we've got for ourselves. And as I started to do this, I punched into my computer on my Bible app and put in forgiveness and started to look. And it's rather interesting. Jesus started talking about this right early in his ministry. And the, the first, I was looking in Matthew's Gospel and I'm not sure I didn't go real deep into it and do a full study on it, but one of the first times that Jesus talks about forgiveness is in the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer it reads, oh, look, stop interfe- uh, interrupting me, please. Oh, that's all right. Don't worry about it. And this is what Jesus said. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. But, hang on, where are we? And we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And you know, that was right early in Jesus' ministry. He delivers this prayer and he's telling the people, this is how you should pray. And, you know, that's the full gospel in that, you know, we need to forgive each other, we need to, you know, and it goes right through it. You know, I used to say this Lord's Prayer every morning, mind you. I was still back in the age when we actually said prayers in school, in a state school, mind you. And we would recite the Lord's Prayer every morning at school. And yet, I never saw that. I never saw that. You know, it's only in the last few years that all of a sudden some of the things in the the Lord's Prayer has really come to life to me. And just as a bit of a side issue, you know, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
I woke up one day and I thought, wow, isn't that an awesome word that God wants heaven to invade earth? But one of the things that stops heaven in invading earth is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness stops God talking to us. And then Jesus, as he got on, and just before, at the Last Supper, Jesus says again, then he took the cup, and when he gave thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink for it, for it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. So, you know, it was really, and, and there's a lot in the middle, but that was sort of, so it was something that was very, very important that we need to understand forgiveness. There is forgiveness for sin. Dan was talking, I really thought, he's talking about salvation. I said, no, he said, shut up, Dan, you're pinching what I want to say. <laughs> but he's talking about salvation. And salvation comes through forgiveness. It's the backbone of salvation. Because stop interfering with me. Uh, you know, don't worry about it. It's all right. We are a bone of salvation. Lord, I, because we are, have to come to God and say, Lord, I am sorry that I've sinned. I am sorry that I've sinned. What does God say? What do we need? What's he need to do for us in that? To set us free so we can come into his presence. He says, I forgive you. He says that we are forgiven. And that's what salvation is about. We are saved from our sin. And the only way we can be saved from our sin is because God forgives us. But there's a little bit more in that. And as I'll, I will explain that, there are the places, places in our lives where we need to forgive as well so we can build relationship. In Ephesians 4, oh sorry, no, in 1, 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So that fits into that what I was just saying then. If we confess our sins, we are forgiven and we are, purif and we are purified through that and we are purified from all unrighteousness. What is the opposite of unrighteousness? Is we become righteous. We become righteous. And righteousness, righteous means we are in right standing with God. So unforgiveness separates us from God. And then we go on to working out these things in our lives. In Ephesians 3, verse 32, 
Be, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, as, just as in Christ God forgave you. So God is taking it one step further now. God's forgiven us. Now we need to start forgiving each other. And I had an, a, a situation happen to me a few years ago. Um, in um, nineteen twenty, in twenty twenty, the first day COVID lockdown uh, came into into being, I had to have a major op, uh, operation on my back, and there was a fair bit of turmoil in the hospital because there were people losing jobs, there were nurses getting laid off because they were shut. They and this is in Western Australia, they shut down. All operations, no more operations. I was lucky. I just they scraped me in. I was one of the last operations that happened in Perth. And in the middle of the night, I had this lady came in. A nurse came in to do my ops. I can't remember whether it was the first night after my operation, the second night after my operation. I was a little bit out of it, <clears throat> but I was playing worship music in to just lift my spirit a bit. And uh, a couple of nurses come in and say, is that worship music? And I said, yes. And oh, and I was just across from where the nurses station were and they could hear my phone playing the worship and they were out there worshiping with me. And that was a real buzz. Anyway, this late, then this other nurse comes in, I don't know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because I was checking my ops every, half, every hour and she woke me up. And she's, I don't tell her be sorry. And she says, you don't know me accent, do you? And anyway, she, I'm probably not getting it right. I'm not broad enough. She was actually come from Liverpool and she was married to a Gaswegian, which is somebody from Glasgow. And if you've ever been to Glasgow, man, you can park a semi-trailer between each syllable and their words. They're that broad. And, uh, and she came in and she says, she woke me up and, she, and, and, and I went, oh. And she says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. And I said, look, I forgive you. I forgive you. And the floodgates just opened up. And she turned to me and she says, you do not understand how much that means to me. Oh, this is so wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, and she was, and I thought, what just abused her or something? We don't know her circumstances, whether another patient had abused her or something was happening at home. But she went out of that room smiling and giggling and she said, anything else you need, just call and I will come. You're my favourite patient. I'm looking out for you. And I thought, what was that, God? What happened? I don't know whether I'll ever meet that lady again in my life. But at that God's moment, all the pain that I was going through, I just had my back ripped open, rods put in it and screws screwed into it. I said, all that pain was worth it just to see that moment that that lady's life was changed. Was changed. I forgive you. There is forgiveness for one another. 
And that little charade that we just pulled there was just to to let you know that we need to forgive people. Because I don't know if you realise that when I just said to Wendy, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter, I was given her permission to do it again. You know, when I realised this in my life, it was I went, oh, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> because if you say it doesn't matter, and especially to a child... You're giving them permission to do whatever they did again. So we need to be very clear of saying when somebody says sorry, we need to say, I forgive. Because one is that you're not honouring that person when they come with forgiveness. And the other is that you give them permission to do it again. So when they come and ask for uh, and say sorry, you're actually really, it's, and, and again, I can tell another story. You know, one of the things, this is a favourite thing of mine because God took me down this road and it's actually the reason that I'm standing here today. You know, I was saved. I grew up in a lovely Christian home. I think I made my first commitment when I was seven or eight or nine or something. I recommitted when I was 12 and then recommitted when I was 15. Um, Christianity has been a part of my life right from my, my gecko. Um, and, but the thing is that even in a family, a Christian family, there things like resentments and things grow and things happen. My father grew up during the Depression, grew up without a mum. My grandfather lost his farm in the Depression. So my father was very tight with his money. It's probably the easiest way to put it. He liked, you know, and we grew up as a young couple on the farm working with him and he controlled the money and he gave us a little bit of spending money every month to to live and we had four children young children and we had a, a you know a housekeeping allowance even though I was a partner in the business I never had the freedom to actually use the money of the business to help you know and I used to buy things for the farm and I felt like I was a crook you know I I used to go and buy things and hide them in the shed so he wouldn't see you know I need the motor for or something and I'd hide it in the shed so he wouldn't see it because I didn't want to get blasted and nearly created a um a uh, divorce in the partnership when we decided we needed a new truck the truck we had he used to have me running all over western australia in this clapped out old comma truck he would sell bulls and then, oh, Ian will deliver them. And I oh, you've got to be joking. And um, this old, old truck, you had to wear earmuffs in it. It was that rowdy and it was rough and it was rugged. And um, I said, that's it. I'm buying a new truck. I'm buying another truck. So I went and bought a truck and, man, a lot did I get into trouble over it. <clears throat> and through this, a certain amount of bitterness started to grow in my my life, in my heart. And this is a complete turning point of my life. This, this is why I'm a vineyard pastor. Um, and I, through this, and I didn't know it was connected to this, but I got, had this knot in my shoulder, under my shoulder blade. And it was that bad, it was, touch, it was 
screwing up that tight that I was actually losing the power in my right arm. Um, <clears throat> and um, it was starting to bother me. I couldn't, you know, I'd been to chiropractors. I'd been, you know, trying to get it sorted and nothing would release this knot in this muscle. We went to the first John Wimber conference in Perth in 1989. And <clears throat> we were... Just when John's, it, it was a miracle that we got there. We just, you know, I'm not going to share that, but it was an absolute miracle that we actually got there. And so we knew God wanted us there. And one of the guys, and I can't remember where, who it was now, whether it was Jack Deere or Brent Rue, um, was talking about the way we relate to our earthly father can be interfered with, the, or can be the way we relate to our heavenly father. And I always thought the Heavenly Father was distant. And, and that's another story how that came about as well. And um, anyway, we, we're working through it. And he said that we need to forgive our fathers for whatever our perception is of them. And we, we prayed a little prayer in that session that night. And, and I sort of forgave my father. And for the perception that I felt where he'd... he'd um, um, what's the word? Um, yeah, hadn't looked after me. <clears throat> and um, then the next day, I was doing the healing stream. I always loved healing. You know, I always wanted to pray for people for healing, but didn't know how to do it. So I was doing the healing training. And so we practiced on each other. Anyway, and guess I stand up in front, have a word of knowledge, ask the Lord, is there somebody in the room? And uh, a young guy got up and said, there's somebody in the room with a, a knot in his muscle under his right shoulder blade. And you know when a word like that's come, it's always the bloke that's up the other end of the seat, not you. So I thought, oh, I'm not owning up to this. So I went and the lady that was running the seminar said, well, just go back again and, and pray again and ask the Lord. And he prayed again and he asked the Lord and, and he came to that point and said, no, there's definitely somebody here with a knot behind his right shoulder blade. By this time, God was starting to, you know, the prickles in my side. So I put my hand up. And then, right, I come out of front and I pray. And a young guy prayed for me. And I'm a little bit of a hard nut to crack when people try to pray for me. I try to be fairly reserved and keep control of things. And nothing was happening. And she said, pray again. So he prayed again, still nothing happening. And then the lady that was running the thing, she said, oh, I think this guy might be a little bit of a hard nut. I think I'd better do the praying and we'll show you what happens. And she grabbed me by the hands and she looked at me and she said, she just prayed and she said, you've got something to confess. And, uh, and I've been a good little evangelical. I started to, you know, I, I know what it is, it's this bitterness towards my father so in my thoughts I started Lord forgive me for this bitterness towards my father and she said out loud please and I went oh and at that moment I said Lord forgive and that's all I can remember saying I don't know whether I said any more or not and then all of a sudden I'm standing there the top of my Head, and I'm just explaining this exactly how I felt it. 
There's no extras on this. All of a sudden, the top of my head opened up like a big funnel. And God started to pour in 35 years of his love that I'd missed out on. And all of a sudden, my whole being became 40 foot deep. Now, I'm an old fella, so I can, I'm still back. I still think in feet and inches. I became 40 feet deep. And I could feel the love filtering down through my whole being. And then it was coming up. I could feel the level coming up my body. It came up and up and up. And then it burst out the top in a fountain. And that moment changed my life forever. It brought me to the place where I'm standing here today. It brought my family into a new era. You know, those poor kids. I had this abundance of love that was just oozing out of me. And the first, the only, you know, the, the closest thing I could love was my kids. And, you know, and so it was just an awesome experience. And that comes through forgiveness. It came through just coming to God. And saying, sorry, Lord, for my bitterness towards my father. I then, through that, had to then, the Lord took me. And this doesn't mean you go out and do this. You know, you need to seek the Lord. But a part of my growing was I had to go and apologize for this bitterness that I had towards my father. Because we had an old, we had a spare telephone line between the houses. So I got an old whirly telephone some people might know the old magnetic tele magno magno telephones and i we had it hooked up between two houses and man alive gee that wire got pretty hot at times we had some really ding dong arguments down that line and so i had to go to my father and ask for him to forgive me for the way that i treated him and i took me about two months to pluck up courage to go and see him and I walked in and said, you know, look, I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. And he said exactly what I said to Wendy. Don't worry about it. That's all right. That's just things that happen between farm fathers and sons on farms. And he just completely took the wind out of my sails. I felt completely annihilated through that. And it took me about another three or four months. Oh, it might have been six months. I can't remember the time. I'm, I don't, I'm not a very good journaler and I just go on what I remember. But it took a while. And I know that it was actually, he moved into town by the time I'd done that. So he was still on the farm when I did it the first time. And I remember I got a bit smarter the next time. When I went to him, I, I put the, the confession to him in a way that he had to give me a yes, no answer. Yeah, and I said, do you forgive me? And he had to, and he said, yes, of course I forgive you, son. And that moment, my life again changed for the better. So, you know, I, I'm a result of seeing the fullness of God's forgiveness and then the forgiveness of my father. And then it wasn't long after that, my father came out and we were praying and, and saying, Lord, I really need to take the farm over. And I know my son... My son's going through this at the moment because I had to let go of the farm so he could have it. And um, 
he walked into the house one day and he says, I want you to do up, draw up all the, the you know, everything for the farm. He says, at the end of June, I'm giving the lot to you. And I went, whoa, what just happened? And, um, and so the power of forgiveness sets us free. It brings us into that place of being with God. So, you know, forgiveness is about us. And it's about our response to the situation around us. You know, we can live a forgiving heart. You know, praise the Lord. Because the Lord set that in me, it's been easier for me to forgive. But I know sometimes it is hard. And sometimes when we hold, you know, and the opposite to forgiveness is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness destroys us. And one of the things we use in Set Free is a little saying that we say, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else will die. Because that's what actually happens when we harbour unforgiveness in our hearts. It can come out as a sickness. It can come out as, as you know, anger, bitterness, and which then affects our body. Because if we hold on to these things, you know, one of the things that we've, we've noticed, we, you know, we hold on to these things in our soul, and if we don't deal with them, they can come out in our body in sickness. And um, like me, I had this knot in my muscle that was destroying my life. I was losing the power in my right arm. I was, my arm was becoming useless. I couldn't lift things. I couldn't hold on to things. Um, and so God wants to free us all. He wants to touch our hearts. And, you know, we think, well, how much do we forgive? Again, in Matthew 18, you know, this is in the middle of, we started Matthew 6 when God said you need to forgive, you, you know, your debtors and forgive those who sinned against you. Near the end, before his, he went to the cross at the, at the um, Last Supper, he introduced them to the communion where he said, you know, this, my blood will be shed for the forgiveness of sin. But in 18, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? And Jesus said, he answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle account with his servant. I, for an interesting thing, we were, one of our set frees and somebody else was doing it. And I got my calculator out and I started multiplying that out. And you know, my calculator could spat its dummy after seven to after the after uh, I got to ten times I think it was. And I don't know understand a calculator, but it come up with a couple of numbers and then an E on it. Which <laughs> hey <laughs> gotta eat it, yeah. Um and it's it's actually the seven times seven is in an affinity. It's that's how much we've got to have a forgiving heart. We can't hold on to things because they will destroy us. And, but the great thing is that God says that if you come to him, he will forgive. There's no maybes. 
There's no conditions. The only condition is that you admit that you've done wrong. He said, if you confess your sins, I will forgive you for all unrighteousness. So God is calling us to live in that place where we can we are forgiven. Just as like with Wendy. See, she hasn't been back annoying me anymore. Because she knows that she's forgiven. And another incident that happened in our lives with a lady in our local town, every second word that she said was, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it must have been the third word because she had to say another word in the middle. But she was always, sorry, sorry, sorry. And so we started, Wendy was, was working with this lady, and so she, every time she said sorry, she said, I forgive you. And that went on, I don't know, probably about three weeks. And after three weeks, she stopped saying sorry. And if you want to have some fun, when you're in a supermarket and, you know, you quote them now and then, somebody will walk, walk in front of you and they'll, oh, I'm sorry, just turn around and say, look, I forgive you. And you'll see some wonderful things happen around you. You know, it's, it's incredible. It wasn't that long ago a lady was in the supermarket and I can't, she said something, oh, I'm sorry, I said, I forgive you. And, you know, the responses to that is absolutely awesome. And so I encourage you, you know, when you hear people say, I'm sorry, just grant them forgiveness because it says, you know, what we forgive on earth is forgiven in heaven. God's given us the right to forgive our brothers and sisters. You know, God gave us that right to do that. He gave us, if we're a disciple of Jesus, we have the authority to forgive sins. And so I encourage you. And what I want to do tonight as well, and I haven't actually talked to Jonathan about this, but if there's anybody that has a sense of unforgiveness in their heart and they know their feeling, you know, God reveals it to you. If you feel unforgiveness in your heart, I'd love to pray with you that you will be released for that unforgiveness. So that God, because God wants to see his people set free. You know, if you believe in Jesus and he's accepted him in your life, confessed your sin to him. He has forgiven you. But there's sometimes there's other situations in your life that where you may not have given your life to uh, have set that free. And God would love to take that. And if you haven't accepted Jesus into your life, he said, I will forgive you. Nothing you've done, doesn't matter what you've done, he will forgive us. Sometimes there are consequences because when we do things, we set things into a process. But I, I have heard of people where the process has been set in place where they've done something badly wrong. And yet through that forgiveness, they're set free from what they've done as well. 